0: The age of the earth, or when God created, is a touchy issue among Christians. (laughs) But we're going to bring some clarity to that subject in this next half hour. Science, the
1: Bible, and the age of the earth, this week on Creation Magazine Live. Get ready for faith-encouraging information starting right now. And for even more, visit creation.com.
0: Welcome to Creation Magazine LIVE! I'm Thomas Bailey. And I'm Richard Fangrad. This week we're going to look at science, the Bible, and the age of the earth. Yes, But first, let's just ask the question, why does it matter? Now, Over the
1: past few weeks we've already hinted at why it matters. One of the reasons is that it affects the Gospel. If the fossil record of violent death and carnivorous activity and pain, diseases, suffering, was established before sin, when the world was supposed to be very good, it destroys the creation-fall-redemption sequence.
0: Another reason it matters is because that's what the Bible says. <laughs> yeah. And we'll show you today that it actually does document a recent creation. Ultimately, we need to go with what God tells us about how He created, right? If you self-label yeah. as a Christian, as a Christ follower, it means that you follow Christ, obey Christ, and place what He says above your own personal views on any topic, Yes, including one as controversial as the age of the earth. Of course, we do want to be sensitive to those of you who struggle with the
1: idea that God created recently,
0: not over millions of years. One of the problems many people have with a young earth is that it doesn't sound intellectual to say that the earth is young. Right. For example, William Lane Craig has won many debates arguing against atheists, but on a radio interview he said this. Yes, I've seen a comparable statistic that says that over 50% of evangelical pastors Think that the world is less than 10,000 years old. Now, when you think about that, Kevin, that is just hugely embarrassing that over half of our ministers really believe that the universe is only around 10,000 years old. This is just scientifically, it's nonsense, and yet this is the view that
1: the majority of our pastors hold. It's, It's really quite shocking when you think about it. So there's an emotional component attached to this issue. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll, we'll gently suggest maybe a bit of I- ignorance there. Mm-hmm. there. There are many, many highly mm-hmm. intelligent people that have calculated creation dates. Here's a three-page list of some of them. Mm-hmm. It's not just you know, country bumpkins with a grade two education. Johannes right. Kepler is one of them. And Newton isn't on this list, but he understood that God created recently as well. And mm-hmm. he's still hailed today as the greatest scientist ever.
0: But could we appeal to you for this next half hour to lay aside any opinions that you have about the age of the earth, and let's just together look at what we can deduce about it from God's Word. Yes. We'll also look at what science says, if we have time, but God's Word is the highest authority, and He was there at creation, (laughs) so it's reasonable to expect that we may be able to deduce at least a ballpark figure for a creation date by looking at Scripture.
1: Yes, Genesis 5 and 11 contain chronogenealogies, genealogies genealogies with the chronology, the time between each of the individuals listed there. There are 2,008 years between the creation of Adam and the birth of Abraham. And since Abraham was born around 2,000 BC, you just subtract 2,008 years, that gives you a creation date going back to Eden of around 4,000
0: BC. The precision of that date obviously depends on when Abraham was born. And a few more years can be added because of the the chrono genealogies are accurate to within one year of the event. Yeah. For example, we know that Adam was born was 130 years old when he fathered Seth, but we don't know if he was 130 and three months or just shy of 131.
1: Right. Yeah. If all of the numbers recorded were just shy of their next birthday, mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. for instance, if Adam was 130 and 11 months when he fathered Seth and Seth was 105 and 11 months when he fathered Enosh, and so on, almost another full year could be added to each generation.
0: Since Abraham is the 19th generation after Adam, it means the range of years between the two would be 2008 to 2026 years. That's 2008 plus up to less than 19 years. So, given the biblical data, creation took place between 2008 and 2026 years before Abraham was born.
1: Now a common argument brought against this sort of straightforward addition Mm. is that there are gaps in the genealogies, like there are gaps in the genealogy in Matthew, for example.
0: But Matthew's genealogy was intended to be incomplete. Yes, It's stated in Matthew 1.17 to be three groups of fourteen names likely because the Hebrew letters for the name David, a key figure in the narrative, add up to 14. In Genesis 5 and 11 there is no intention to do that, and the ages between the people are listed.
1: Yes. Now now it's one thing to say there could be gaps, and quite another thing to suggest where gaps could be inserted. For example, Seth is definitely a direct son of Adam and Eve. He's seen as a replacement for, for Abel, who Cain killed. Enosh must be a son of Seth, because Seth named him. Jude says that Enoch was the seventh from Adam. That indicates a straightforward father-son relationship for those first seven generations, from Adam to Enoch.
0: Lamech named Noah, so Lamech must be his father, not just an ancestor. Shem, Ham, and Japheth were definitely ordinary sons of Noah, since they were with him on the ark. Arphaxad was plainly a son of Shem, because he was born only two years after the Flood. Abram, Haran, and Nahor were Terah's ordinary sons because they all journeyed together from Ur. Yeah. So where can you insert gaps?
1: (laughs) And even if a few could be inserted, you can't get millions of years, or even even hundreds
0: of thousands of years in there. It just doesn't work. Right. So that gives a creation date for Adam and Eve on day 6, about 6,000 years ago. But what about the days? Yeah.
1: There's a huge controversy over the meaning of the word day there in Genesis 1. But without trying to be condescending, it's really not that hard to figure out.
0: A key to figuring it out is to just let the text speak for itself. Yes. Draw the meaning from the text without trying to impose meaning onto it.
1: We explained in episode 1, three weeks ago, that Genesis is written as historical narrative, not poetry or some type of metaphor. So that's an important consideration when trying to properly interpret Genesis.
0: The word day, like most other words, has a variety of meanings. Some examples are one complete rotation of the earth. Another meaning can refer to the rotation of a different planet. You might say a day on Mars or Saturn, for example. Another meaning of day refers only to the light portion of one earth rotation. As in the sentence, this animal sleeps during the day and hunts at night. Another meaning refers to the portion of a day allotted to work or school, as in, I work an eight-hour day. Sometimes it's synonymous with the word time, as in, His day will come. Now, that could be changed to say His time will come, without altering the meaning. The context, or the words around the word day,
1: dictate its specific meaning. Mm -hmm. So, what's the meaning of the word day in Luke 14.5, for example, where it says, And He said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a
0: Sabbath day, will not immediately pull Him out." It's referring to Saturday, the Sabbath, a yeah. day of the week, right? It's easy. Easy. In Luke 17, 26, Jesus says, "...just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man." And, and here the word day isn't referring to an
1: earth rotation day, it's referring to the time of Noah. It's not, refer- it's not time in general, mm-hmm. but the time that Noah
0: was alive. Well, easy, right? Okay, now using that same hermeneutic, that same interpretive principle, let's look at Genesis 1. The first time the word day appears in Scripture is in verse 5 of chapter 1, and it appears twice. It has a different meaning both times. Let's have a look. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day.
1: Now in the first instance, it's almost a definition, right? Like God called the light day. It's the daylight portion of one earth rotation contrasted with the night portion.
0: Yeah. Well then in the second instance from the context the only meaning that it can have is that of an earth rotation day. Right. From the text yeah. you cannot make it say something other than a uh, normal day of about 24 hours. You see that? Without right. twisting the text to try to force some other meaning God created in six earth rotation days. It's plain as day, really. Oh, this good grief. <laughs> Look, the reason there's controversy over this word isn't because the text is vague or it's difficult to understand. It's because the ideas that come from outside the text that are given equal or higher priority than the word of God. Yes.
1: As CMI speakers, we, we visit churches all around the world and we hear, well, uh, I've heard scientists that have a different take or right. I've heard this theologian or my pastor doesn't think that or my favorite celebrity, celebrity preacher <laughs> says, you know, it, it, it could be something different. The reaction to those things should be, who cares? When God says something, and anyone else, no matter how educated or godly they are, if they disagree with Scripture, properly interpreted,
0: their opinions are irrelevant. Right. Martin Luther had the right idea when he said, "...when Moses writes that God created heaven and earth and whatever is in them in six days, then let this period continue to have been six days." and do not venture to devise any comment according to which six days were one day. Hmm. In Martin Luther's time, or sorry, Martin Luther's day, <laughs> 500 years ago, some in the church have concluded that God made everything in one day. Yes. Now, we have sort of the opposite problem right. today. But Luther said, no, the text says six days. And the next part is great. But if you cannot understand how this could have been done in six days, then grant the Holy Spirit the honor of being more learned than you are. (laughs) Nice. Another objection we hear all the time is that the Genesis days could be longer because 2 Peter 3 verse 8 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. So people think a day could be stretched out. But the rest of the verse says, and a thousand years as one day. Oops. Now it's talking about compressing a thousand years into a day. So that just cancels that out. Yeah, which one is it? Also, this has nothing to do with the creation
1: days. Right. It's not defining a day because it doesn't say a day is a thousand years. The correct understanding is is once again derived from the context that the apostle Peter's readers shouldn't lose heart because God seems slow at fulfilling his promises because He's patient, and, and also because He's not bound by time as we are. That's the context there.
0: Now another argument creation ministry speakers often hear is that the days in Genesis are God's days. God's days, yeah. So,
1: so how long is a day when you're outside of time? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, that doesn't make, any sense. doesn't make any sense. Genesis isn't talking about some spiritual realm where time doesn't exist. It's describing God creating this physical universe, and its focus is on the earth, so it's talking about days on earth. Earth days, yeah. Yeah.
1: Another question is about the first three days before the sun. How do we understand those? Well, the Bible describes the first three days
0: in the same way as the last three. And there was light there. It It wasn't the sun making it, but we're not told what it was. But with the light and a rotating spherical earth, you get a day-night cycle. So no problem.
1: Here's another thing to ponder: Why six days? I mean, God could have created instantly, right, or in six seconds, or six billion years. He has the ability to create the universe in any, any length of time
0: he chose. Right. So why six days? God tells us why He chose to create in six days rather than some other time frame in Exodus twenty eleven. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. In other words, everything, and rested on the seventh day. He did it as a pattern for our work week. Yeah. A week of seven days is patterned after God creating for six days and resting for one. Although the text in Genesis is already abundantly clear that God created in six earth rotation days, this should be the final nail in the coffin for any notion that God took millions of years to create.
1: Yeah, yeah it is. And, and the fact that we have a seven-day week, not an eight-day or a two-day week, is testimony mm-hmm. of the reality of creation week. In the Old Testament Hebrew, Whenever the words heaven and earth are conjoined, it's a figure of speech called a merism, mm. in which two opposites are combined into an all-encompassing single concept. God made the entire
0: universe in six days. Wow. Now, for those who want to fit millions of years into Genesis, simply stretching out the days doesn't actually help. Yeah, as if you could. <laughs> the sequence in which God creates things doesn't fit with evolution. For example, land plants were created on day three and fish on day five. But according to evolution, fish precede land plants by hundreds of millions of years. Genesis records that the earth was
1: made first, and then the stars on day Mm 4. So the earth is a tiny bit older than the stars. But the Big Bang idea says it's the other way around. The earth is is only, only (laughs) 4.6 billion years old, and the stars are up to 12 billion years old.
0: God tells us that initially the earth was a universal ocean, and dry land came on day three. Once again, evolution has it backwards. The earth starts as a molten blob that slowly cools down, and then millions of years later comes water.
1: So, there's a summary of the meaning of the word day in Genesis 1 and some related ideas, but there are other proposals to get the millions of years into the Bible that don't involve stretching out the days.
0: The gap theory was invented to try to get millions of years in between verse 1 and verse 2 of Genesis Mm -hmm. chapter 1. So, in verse 1... In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The idea is that between those two verses there's a gap of millions or billions of years. Lucifer is cast down and becomes Satan. Yeah. There's something called Lucifer's flood that produced the fossil record. And and there were people living and dying before Adam and Eve.
1: Now, hopefully, if you've seen the previous three episodes already, you can see some of these problems yourself, right? First, it puts death and suffering before the fall, before the curse. Mm -hmm. That's the problem with almost all attempts to get millions of years into the Bible. Same problem. They end up undermining the gospel, as we explained in those episodes, by itself. That's enough to invalidate the gap theory.
0: Another thing that should raise red flags is that the gap theory started in the early 1800s. When the idea of millions of years and an old earth gained popularity. It didn't come from careful study of the Bible, but from outside secular views. Proverbs 2.6 says,
1: For the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. So, let's look, again, to Scripture for the answer. The bottom line is, Scripture does not allow for a time gap there. In fact, it seriously violates the tenets of the historical grammatical exegesis.
0: The Hebrew words tohu and bohu, translated without form and void in Genesis 1-2, are claimed by Gappas to indicate a judgmental destruction. But tohu occurs several times in the Bible, in which it is used in a morally neutral state, describing something that's unfinished, but not necessarily evil. Hebrew scholars and the Church have for centuries taken the view that Genesis 1-2 is not a scene of judgment or an evil state created by the fall of angels, Mm -hmm. but a description of the original, yet-to-be-completed, state of the universe.
1: Wow is the name of a Hebrew letter which is used as a conjunction. It can mean and, but, now, then, and a a few other things, depending on the context and the type of wow involved. Now here, you you
0: see it here at the beginning of verse 2. This type of wow is a wow disjunctive, because it's followed by a non-verb. It introduces a parenthetic statement. It's alerting the reader to put the following passage in brackets, as if it were a a descriptive phrase about the previous noun. It doesn't indicate something that's following in a time sequence. This would have been indicated by a different Hebrew construction called the wow consecutive, where wow is followed by a verb. So, grammatically, it's not possible to put a, a time gap in there.
1: Yeah. Another thing gapists point to is the word replenish that you see mm-hmm. there in Genesis 1.28. Today, in English, that word means refill. Well, if, if Adam and Eve were commanded to refill the earth, there must have been people living and dying before them at some point.
0: Humans died before Adam sinned?
1: Oops. Yeah, yeah. The, but the Hebrew translated replenish in the King James Version means to fill not refill. The Hebrew means fill. In the 1600s, in English, that's what the word replenish also meant. But that word has changed meanings in English, so it's no longer an accurate translation today. It was in the 1600s.
0: And there are other problems with the gap theory, but those are enough that hopefully you can see it's an attempt to get millions of years into the Bible that doesn't work.
1: It doesn't work. Yeah. Now, here's a question. Do we really need modern science to tell us how to understand Genesis? (laughs) I mean, were all the believers in the history of the church and
0: and everyone before that going back to Adam, were they all wrong about when God created? No, of course not. (laughs) No. Another common opinion, and it's most often raised to cast doubt on the historicity of the Genesis text, is that the first two chapters contradict each other. Mostly that some events are in a different sequence. Right, different sequence.
1: Now, Jesus quoted from both chapters, saw the details as actual historical events and didn't view them as contradictory. So, if Jesus didn't think they were, then they're not. (laughs) But (laughs) let's summarize some of the reasons why they're not.
0: Genesis 1 says that land animals were made before Adam and Eve. In Genesis 2, it first mentions Adam, and then in verse 19 in the King James Version it says, "...out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air." On the surface, it seems as if the land animals and the birds were created between Adam and Eve. Right. But clarification comes by getting into the original languages just a bit.
1: Yeah, given the Hebrew verb tenses there, it's more accurate to render it as, now the Lord God had formed, past tense, out of the ground, all the beasts of the field, referring to previous activity. So that apparent contradiction just
0: disappears. Another one is about the creation of plants. In Genesis 1, plants were made on day 3. In Genesis 2, when describing day 6, it says, No bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. Yeah, so one of the reasons why these particular plants hadn't sprung up
1: is because there wasn't anyone to tend them. No one to work the ground, as it says there. Now, These
0: are clearly referring to cultivated plants plants of the field, not all plants. So by just focusing on the biblical text, we can deduce that God created around 6,000 years ago in six earth rotation days.
1: In the time that we have left, let's talk about scientific dating methods.
0: Well, we'll talk about some scientific dating methods in much more detail in episode 7, but let's just focus on a key point, and that is that all scientific dating methods involve making assumptions that cannot be known. Yes. For example. The oceans are constantly getting more salty,
1: and that can be used as a dating method. Now, now Watch for the assumptions. There's about 450 million tons a year of salt going in today. If we assume that the oceans originally had no salt, and if we assume that the current rate of salt input has always been the same, then the oceans can be a maximum of 62 million years old. That's a maximum. Maximum.
0: Now evolutionary history says that they're billions of years old. So this dating method refutes the evolutionary story regarding the age of the oceans. And and this is where life supposedly evolved. Yeah, millions of years
1: ago. It's also pretty useless for us because of the assumptions. You notice the assumptions,
0: right? Now, this dating method assumes that there was no salt in the oceans originally. Yeah. Well, we haven't got a clue as to how much salt God (laughs) originally put in the oceans. Right. It, It also assumes that the current rate of salt input has been constant.
1: Yeah. And we know for sure that, that, that it hasn't been constant. The flood likely yeah. put huge amounts of salt into the ocean, yeah. and we have no way of knowing how much. Now, Do you see how the accuracy of scientific dating methods is all about the assumptions?
0: First, you have to assume certain initial conditions. And yeah. you have to assume a constant rate of change of whatever you're measuring. Now, These assumptions also apply to radiometric dating that we'll discuss in detail in Episode 7 in just three weeks. Now, last week we talked about the flood. The flood
1: affected the
0: rates of many things, like mm-hmm.
1: sedimentation, erosion, continental drift, mountain building, but, yeah. but even the, the balance of carbon in the atmosphere would be affected. That's going to impact carbon dating, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a, in a future episode. Yeah, That's why the flood is the key to understanding the age of the earth, this controversial issue of the age of the earth. The flood mm-hmm. is the key. Absolutely.
0: Now, the very best dating method, of course, is to have a reliable eyewitness Produce a historical record. That's right. And that's what the Bible is.
1: Yeah. God is reliable. Mm -hmm. He's a reliable eyewitness. That's why in this episode, this last half hour, we've looked at what Scripture says, and you you just deduce the the dates from Scripture there. We can look at the dates between Adam and Abraham, and then look at the days in Genesis. Are they real days? And so on. And it's a historical record written by someone who's reliable. And it
0: all comes back to biblical authority again. Do yes. we believe what the Bible plainly says, or do we look to what science is telling us, usually from the naturalists that believe that everything just happened slowly and naturally over millions of years, and then try to fit that into the Bible? Yeah. yeah or, or do we look for the evidence that support what's, what the Bible actually says?
1: Yeah, and that's what we do at CMI, right? right? I mean, we're looking at evidence, you're looking at the data, the facts that are out there, and we're seeing that over and over again, overwhelmingly, The data that's out there fits wonderfully with the history that's recorded there in Scripture. If you want a sample of some of that information, go to creation.com slash freemag. You can page through a free online edition
0: of our creation magazine. All right, and you'll get some of that information coming to you uh, on a regular basis. Yeah. Now, remember that uh, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. And science supports Scripture. See you next week. You've been listening to the
1: podcast version of Creation Magazine Live, produced by Creation Ministries International. With offices internationally and more scientists on staff than any Christian ministry, you can find loads of faith-supporting articles on our massive website, creation.com. Check it out.